Steven, are we still live on Twitter? Yeah. yeah for now. For now. <laughs> and hopefully. If... You all right there? Well, the first goal of the World Cup was scored just now, and it was Jesus. a banger. That was fast. That was sick. You see that? Qatar and Ecuador. Boom. Yeah. Cutter and Ecuador. I call it Cutter. cutter. I don't know if it's Cutter or Qatar, but I think it's Cutter. Whatever. Pretty sure uh, it's So are you more into the football or football today? Uh, football. I'm, I'm more into the football tomorrow because, well, you got the Niners in Mexico City. It, it's, ta- it's a tale of two halves because tomorrow is the first day of Group B. Or a tale of two where, kitties. With what? Garfield. Anyway, go ahead. Oh. <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm sorry that I did not get your reference for the sequel to Garfield. <laughs> Many, many, many wood, Stephen. Many wood. Uh, no, it's uh, not. Tomorrow's when it really gets started, though. That's when the the Group B begins. So you got the England and uh, got England and Iran, uh, and then you got USA versus Wales at eleven o'clock tomorrow. England and Iran Wales. at five a.m. I heard. I heard there. Yeah. So we, we the, the 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 old FIFA run by my man uh, Gianni Infantino, fellow Paisano. Um, did I, did, I get, did I get his name right? I'm sure you did. You don't, you don't know the guy that owns uh, or runs FIFA? Well, it might be Yanni, but, you know. If he's a true Italian, it's Gianni. Really? It's not Yanni. G-I-N-N-I. Well, it's well, maybe not ya- not like the Yanni or Laurel thing. Not like Y-A-N-N-I, but like Yanni. No. Yanni. Yanni Yanni's with a Y. Gianni. Yanni. All right. Anyway, stop it. Um, <laughs> it's nice of the FIFA people today just to schedule one match tw- two hours before football starts. So I commend them for that because they know what the hell's going on. Um, they did not even think about. They did not even think about the NFL you know, when scheduling FIFA their matches. Are meeting, are meeting with the Fox people and being like, "Hey, it's in the best interest for your American viewing audience that you put this thing two hours before football starts." Well, if this thing was in the USA, they'd be like, all right, NFL, get out the way. We're going to take over now. We are the global game. We are the ones that are going to be getting the viewers. I mean, I don't pretend like soccer is not a big deal. Of course it is. And soccer may be more entertaining than football these days, just because I think we're getting not great football. But so how, how long do soccer games usually last? So it's ninety minutes. I know it's ninety um, minutes on the pitch. Yeah, but so then they have th- then they have extra time. Yeah, you have extra time, so you might get like I don't know, at the most two two minutes in the first half, and then by the time the game's coming to an end, you probably get like at the most, on average, like five. So, um, so I we're prob- not going to get. So hopefully, we're not going to get uh, Kurt Menefee and everybody from the Fox you know, live pregame being like, all right, everybody, we will get to the NFL as soon as possible. Once this game is underway, we'll get to your local broadcast. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how that's going to work. I'm very curious because it's always in the summer. So it's never gone up against the NFL, which is just very interesting. And believe me, I know the World Cup trumps everything when it comes to a global game. But this has got to be very weird for American sports fans and American TV networks to carry this 
this time of the year. Yeah. Well, you know, you got to blame it on the area, though. Like, the reason that they're not playing during the summer is because it's too hot. And when you – dude, I've been like – so I've watched two documentaries this past week. One the one on Netflix? Yeah, I watched that one. Yeah, I heard about that one. And then there was an E60 where Jeremy Schaap didn't really do like – it wasn't necessarily yeah, like – ESPN. Exactly. It, it wasn't necessarily a hit piece, but it was like – it was like a mix. It was like a – promotion for the world cup but it was also like a total hit piece on it being in in cutter so yeah yeah but no it's it like the reason that they're having these games now is because it's just too hot during the summer there and uh also the pandemic too uh that that pushed things back but uh, the old pandy played a big role but uh but yeah guitar and and, uh, not having not letting people drink i know right they're fan they're banning beer bud bud zeros you could get a bud zero um but uh the it's just i don't know the it i go back and forth with this because like they had to sorry sorry to interrupt but it's zero zero again and they take the goal away Ooh, i don't know i don't know how this this crazy game works maybe they did yeah it might have been offside Ooh, that's brutal um (laughs) what a way for the world cup to start (laughs) failure take that gianni but uh no, it's it's just seeing how everything uh, is it was like built on the backs of these Qatari migrant workers. Well, not even just not even Qatari. They're like they're Nepalese. They're from uh, India, I believe, too. Um, like a lot of migrant workers got killed uh, just due to heat. Just so we could have soccer. Yeah, like because they had to build, I think, nine stadiums, if I'm not mistaken. And for how this? long? And it, I mean, ever since 2012. Ever Ooh. since it was announced. I think it was announced in 2012. So, like, yeah, they've been wow. spending the past 10 years, um, like, just building all these stadiums. I think. I could be completely wrong. Maybe it's, like, a total of nine, eight. So you saying eight. Yeah, there you go. It's enough. So, yeah. But, like, I think they estimated before that it would be, like, 5,000 people dead, and that was like back in 2012. And uh, yeah, that's about what the number's at. I hope it's worth it. So so it's like, good lord, (laughs) it's like you're watching it, but also I can't help but think, like, man, this this thing is morally wrong on a variety of levels. But, um, you know, it is what it is. It's the World Cup, baby. (laughs) What happened to my man Gianni? It wasn't your man Gianni, it was your man Sep, Sep Blatter. I want to be friends with any with any man with the last name Bladder. Yeah, I know, right? Well, Bladder, it's B L B L A T T E R, but uh, yeah, Blatter. Yeah. yeah, it's it's crazy actually, just how the FIFA uncovered thing just shows how it's been corrupt ever since its inception, all the way till now. Like, and Seth Bladder had a huge part of that. I don't know if Yanni Infantino or whatever his name is uh, is going to change everything, but uh, we'll see. FIFA. Woo. Well, hopefully they get to the bottom of this and uh, the bladder bursts. Mm. Uh, it's <laughs> All right, let's move on. Okay. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to Just Your Opinion, man. Me and Steven are talking about the World Cup as it's underway, and I think it's pretty cool, actually. So next week we'll have off for Thanksgiving, and you get to watch a little soccer, get to watch a little basketball, get to watch a little football. I think it's cool, as long as it doesn't get it in the way of my football but hey 
We'll be all good. Make um, sure you catch me live on Thanksgiving. I'll be giving you updates all Thanksgiving long. Uh, you work at you work at Thanksgiving? Yeah, man. I volunteered. Okay. Hey, good for you. Yeah. I am actually looking forward to Thanksgiving because for the first time in three seasons, I will actually get to celebrate Thanksgiving. I've been working in the studio at NFL Network the last three seasons, working on Lions and whoever the fuck. And I'm glad I could just watch that game and shit on it from my couch. I'm not going to shit on my couch, but you get the idea. Anyway, um, by the way, we are live on Twitter and everybody freaked out Thursday night saying that Twitter was going to be not a thing anymore. And God, I was hoping it that was the case because I hate this thing. I hate it so much. And I wish sports reporters would just find other avenues or platforms to break news. But we still need it because that's how we get news these days. Is that it? Yes. We got to keep so, going. Hopefully this thing blows up. Anyway. Yeah, what is going on with Twitter, man? Like, I've been keeping up, obviously, with Elon Musk, but, like, I I really haven't read the details. All I've been doing is reading tweets. I don't really know the details, too. All I know is that uh, this app is imploding day by day by day by day. Day by day. By day. Day by day. And Jeff Passan has already started breaking news on uh, Instagram. And <laughs> I'm not getting an Instagram. But um, we'll see Why? what happens. Because I just don't want to. I'm stirring yeah. in my ways. That's fine. That makes yeah, sense. right it is. Um, yeah. We'll see what, the, what the, the longevity of this thing is. Because people got to know where Odell Beckham's going to sign. And it sounds like it's down to the Cowboys and Giants. Surprised about the Giants. What um, about the Niners? I saw the Niners were on that list. So a new report came out today from old rap sheet and Tom Pelissero where Odell Beckham is going to the Thanksgiving game between the Giants and Cowboys. And apparently he's going to meet with both teams after the game or before the game. And he will make his decision shortly after that. I'm kind of tired of Odell, Odell Beckham, to be honest. Yeah. Like, wh- who does he think he is? Kevin Durant? It's just like you think, oh, whatever team you go to, you're just going to turn it into a championship winning team. Well, even though he did that with the Rams last year. Yeah. Yeah. So so you're saying that this is a flawed system. I'm just like, what? Why do what? He goes to the game and oh, man, we got to play for Odell. We got to get OBJ in the building. Like, I don't know. I just don't really. Well, if you if you went back to the Giants, I think that'd be he'd be yelling at Daniel Jones and it'd be a whole thing. I'm not even sure going to the Cowboys is a good move. Cause who's you really get to I mean, like, yeah, it's, you know, Jerry Jones can woo you, but at the same time, like you sure Mike McCarthy's going to be there next season. Yeah. But it's not, it's not Mike McCarthy that he's going to be, you know, playing with though. It's Kellen Moore, right? Kellen Moore or Dan Quinn or Sean Payton. Like, Like it's not the, it's not even the coaches. That's the appeal for it. It's, isn't it the, isn't it more like, hey, they're kind of lacking wide receivers right now. Um, yeah, but I'm going to be able to, to get the ball. Don't you want to go to a place with more stability? Like, I don't believe that Josh Allen or Sean McDermott will be gone next season. Yeah, I, I mean, I would have I, I I was saying, I think at the beginning, like I'd much rather be on the bills if I was OBJ. I think we didn't we talk about that last week. We did. And I think that yeah. um, I'd rather after I'd, watching if I was OBJ. I'd go to the bills after watching that Bills Vikings game, which was. Hands down, the game of the year. Um, Bills are fine, but they could use a little help. Like uh, Isaiah McKenzie's their third wide receiver, and he's all right. But if you had Odell, Gabe Davis, and Stephon Diggs, you probably have the best receiving core in football. 
no doubt. I, I mean, like Gabe Davis is solid, but I don't like Gabe Davis as a number two. Weirdly enough, it's 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 strange. I do when he's scoring four touchdowns in a playoff game against the Chiefs. True. Yeah. Yeah. He's pro- actually. Yeah. He's proven himself quite a bit. I don't what 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 did you think of that game last week? The Bills and Vikings. Just insanity, man. Like, because yeah. the way that it was, I was at rookies. Um. So San Jose. Yes. So we were sitting at the bar and two TVs on the end. And you had one that had red zone and you had the other that had. Uh, oh, God, who were the Titans playing last week? Um, uh, Broncos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had Titans Broncos on the other screen. So while we're sitting there making fun of Russell Wilson, um, you know, on the big screen, they had Bill's Vikings. So you kind of had to, like, turn around. And God, there were multiple times in that game where I turned around and I was like, oh, that play is going to turn out that way. All right. I want to see what's happening on red zone right now. And then I took like, you know, when you're in that football watching yeah, yeah. move and it's like, all right, when one play's done, you want to move on. Um, yeah, I, I turn around. I'm like, oh, that play's over. That play's done. They're not going to call that. And then like, oh, what do you know? And then like I see the fourth and 18 with Justin Jefferson. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, just that performance, like going back and watching some of the highlights and after watching it live, I was pretty confident in this. But like that is one of the best wide receiver performances like ever. The amount of yeah. the the amount of difficult catches, the timing, the fact that they knew he was going to be the number one the entire week. And he said, hey, I'm going to prove to you like, hey, this is going to be the wide receiver on wide receiver match. But it's not going to be just one of us. And it turned out that both of them went off. So um, but yeah, one of the greatest wide receiver performances by Justin Jefferson. Just unbelievable. Yeah, no, great game. I'm not ready to call it the catch of, you know, catch, best catch of all time. Got to let him marinate a little bit, but um, yeah, spectacular performance. Bad performance by Josh Allen. Really bad turnovers. I thought the Bills yeah. pissed that game away. Um, going for it on fourth down early in the fourth quarter, and then the fumbled snap in the end zone. I don't know what the hell that was about. Um, Pretty sure he has multiple interceptions in the past three games, and it's the first time that's happened since like his rookie year or maybe his yeah. second year in the league. He's struggling a little bit, but I still would put him as the favorite to win MVP at this point. I Everyone goes through a little skid. I mean, the Rams lost three in a row last year. And also, I'm kind of uh, upset about this. They would have had such a home field advantage today if they played this game in Buffalo. And I understand it was six feet of snow and the whole stadium was covered. You could have plowed that shit before the game and everything. It would have been so cool to watch that game today in the snow. Could, yeah. W- w- could they really, though? Wasn't probably this like not. Pre- it's probably the in, safest thing to do. Wasn't this God in preparation it. for a snowstorm? Like, isn't that yes. the whole point? But I don't remember this stuff happening in the 90s. They always played with in Orchard Park with a bunch of snow. In the 90s? Yeah. That was it 30 was time. years ago. That was 30 years ago almost. Things happened before we were born. Almost 30 years ago, Derek. And? Don't they want to make the game a little safer? For the players, you can play in the snow. Come on, it would have been so cool to watch Nick Chubb and actually the Browns may have made a, may have had a more of an advantage against the Bills because they can't really run the ball and yet they play in Buffalo. Yeah, I'm just saying turned, if it would have turned into Bills game, Patriots from last year a little bit. But if there was a playoff game in Buffalo and they have six feet of snow again, they got to play that game in Buffalo. Sorry, can't okay. move that game to Detroit. All right, that's fine. All right. I mean, they were prolonged. They got out of the out of Buffalo. Yeah, they 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 had a small window yesterday where they could hop on a plane and go to Detroit. I saw a video of uh, Dawson Knox having his neighbors kind of 
you know, dig out his driveway of snow so he can leave and go. Mm. Yeah, you're probably right. It was probably in the best interest of them going to Detroit, but it would have been so cool if that game was in Buffalo. Yeah, no, I, I get where you're coming from. Um, we will get to the Raiders, and I want your reaction from all that bullshit from a week ago. Oh, God. I know, I know. But real quick, Steven. Yeah. Warriors. Mm. One on Friday night. So what are they, 7-9 and nine now? Yeah. yeah a little, little full football season. All right, now it's 17 games. Um, and today they have a chance to get their first road win. I'm surprised I'm saying this. Their first road win of the season against the Houston mm-hmm. Rockets. Do they get it done? I think so. Yeah, but I, also haven't, I haven't seen much Rockets basketball uh, this year, to be honest. Um, but I, there's something going on with the Warriors right now. Like, it doesn't matter until March, ultimately. Like, every Warrior fan should know that. What happens in November doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. But right now, with the way the team is playing, like, I'm I'm 50-50 on whether they could pick up a road win. When they're on the road, they just... This team can't defend. Like, I don't even care about what goes on on offense, like the lack of bench scoring or, you know, maybe Clay Thompson having yet another inefficient game, even in even in the win on Friday. Like, he played well. He was fine, but... Like, I don't, it's the defense, man. It's just yeah. constant, it's just constant, terrible defense every single game. And this is probably going to be a really high scoring one. I'd take the over on whatever the over under is for tonight. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm indifferent about it because I just don't know how to feel about the, uh, the Warriors right now. I think that they look fine when they're home and then they just don't have a lot of energy on the road and they are, just lollygagging a little bit. And Steve Kerr, you know, called him out and said everything that he needed to say. But I just don't think that they're 100% invested in the season right now because it's so early. And I just think there's a lackadaisical attitude. And that, yeah, that, I think there's a lot of carryover from the offseason. Yeah. A lot of carryover. Whether it's like, you know, um, like someone put it perfectly. There's like just too many individual accolade chasing right now. Like just too much. Um, you know, pool, like just trying to come back from the punch on Draymond, uh, Draymond trying to prove that he's worth like the four year, four year max extension that he wanted. Um, by the way, we, we haven't seen, we haven't heard a podcast from Draymond in a while. We haven't, huh? I think he's trying to, I mean, every time Jordan pool falls to the ground, he's the first guy there to pick him up. He's not talking as much, maybe for the best. Yeah. Yeah, he's a, he, he it's just yeah, it's there's a lot there. Um, you know, and then all these young guys trying to prove that they are um, you know, the next uh they could take over in the post Steph Curry era. There's just a lot going on right now. And then you got Jamichael Green who's just not good. <laughs> yeah. But then again it's early. I remember a lot of it people It is early, like, but like man, Jamichael Green's not that good. I know, but I remember a lot of people Crap it on Otto Porter Jr. For when he first got to the Warriors. Were they? A little bit. A little bit. Not as much as Jermichael Green. Yeah, I know. Yeah, my Jermichael Green's not not playing well. Um, yeah. And so is Clay Thompson. But I think that he'll get over it soon. Just kind of a weird deal right now. I know Clay's going through a lot, and he had that podcast article, I guess, with Ramona Shelburne talking about coming back from the injury and everything. And I think it would be in the best interest of Clay Thompson if we, if we get past all that 
I think that he needs to focus on the here and now. And I know it's a lot to ask for because I wasn't in that situation. I wasn't the one that had his Achilles and ACL torn. But I think we need to get to Kaiser Permanente, Clay Thompson, where he's talking to the late, great Michael K. Williams and saying that failure is not a factor. I know how to defeat you. We need to get more confident, Clay Thompson, in the here and now. And yes, the Achilles and ACL tear was devastating, but let's live in the now. You know, isn't it kind of proof, though? Like, Clay was a, uh, you know, fan favorite, right? Like, it's pretty confident to say that he's been a fan favorite. Like, the treatment that Kevin Durant was given after he won his championship with the Warriors, it was still the same old thing, even after winning two. Like, that's part of what got him back in that 2018-2019 season was, like, the fact that he'd won two championships with the Warriors, and even the following season, every day, if he doesn't do something, if he doesn't, pass the ball enough if he plays too much iso if people are telling him what to do and he's gonna go crazy at the fan base and like i've done and he's like i've done this for you i got these last two championships i was the finals mvp you know and then uh and now clay's kind of it's it's still it's proof now that even with a guy like clay who comes back from injury and you win those four championships like if you underperform the following season people are gonna call you out on it and i think clay is you know kind of just at that point where he's like what the hell are you calling me out for i just won you four championships like i'll get this right like stop putting pressure on me and i think it's really getting to him you could tell on the court sometimes man that like when he after he takes a shot you could tell like he's kind of in his head i think the it's not so much the criticism like well he doesn't like charles barkley calling him out everything and back in the day he would let that just roll off his back but now it's i think the Two years in somewhat isolation. I mean, that stuff happened during the pandemic, too, so I don't know his whole situation there. And we saw the videos of him riding around, uh, you know, on his boat. I'm sure mentally it was a lot. So, and I don't want to play, you know, psychologist. Yeah. So, I just hope that Clay gets back to form. And yes, in sports, everyone out, you know, they always say they could never take it away from you or no one could talk shit about you now. That's not the case. It's always a year-to-year thing. You see the L.A. Rams win a Super Bowl championship, and now people are saying they that was a fraudulent championship. You can never satisfy everybody. No. No, you, you, you never can, but I think Clay's starting to realize that now because it feels like he has been like kind of the guy that could do no wrong. And now when there's a lot of... Like there's a lot of uh, a lot of pressure on Clay, you know. Um, it, it's not when he's with the starting five; it's more so when they rotate guys and he doesn't become like a liability where he's just putting up shots with, you know, 18 seconds left on the shot clock. Like it's it, it's a very interesting thing that's going on with Clay right now. And uh, I, yeah, I don't know if it's if it's mental or whatever. And as far as like the um, as far as like the defense goes, I do think he's absolutely like a step slower. Um, yeah, you know, like there, there's something, there's something to that. It's, it's very strange how Pool just plays that much better with the starters, and then everyone's kind of saying, "Well, we need to put Pool with the starters." Like, no, you don't need to do that. Like, you need to maximize Clay Thompson. Like, you don't need to maximize Jordan Pool. That's not, that's not it. Once you get, once you get Clay Thompson going, all right, that's when things really start cooking, and then you know. You don't give Jordan Poole a reason to think, oh, well, maybe he should be a starter, you know? 
make Jordan Poole think that he has to be coming off the bench. I just went on a huge rant there. I apologize. No, hey, it's you know, rants happen. It's all good. <laughs> and what do you think uh, about the team, what do you think about the team meeting, Eric? Er, Ernie says. What 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 team meeting took place? No, uh, they had one prior to Friday's game. Yeah, you know, teams have team meetings. I think that's yeah, Ernie. That's exactly. Uh, I mean, that's what they should be doing. You know, they yeah. should be meeting together. Like if they weren't having team meetings, I'd be a little worried. Who was it that had a a player? It was who the Warriors just played. It was the Knicks. Yeah, they just had like a players only meeting. They had to already go through that, and they were off to an eight and seven start to the season. I think so. <laughs> it's like. Yeah, what do you prefer? Player only meetings or player only broadcasts? Ooh, uh, I'd say player only meetings are a lot more productive. <laughs> you you know, like the run TMC broadcast? Of course I did. It was fantastic. I was <laughs> laughing the entire time when they were just like. Although there were some times where it was like, all right, it's getting to a little bit of a lull here. <laughs> you know, that's a well. That's why uh, my man Tom picked it up. Uh, thank thank God for Tom Tolbert, and because uh, you know there were some. Uh, some questionable things said in the broadcast. I won't. I won't. Yeah, we we all we all know the clip. But um, Tom interviewing uh, Greg Popovich and Steve Kerr, I think, were the highlights of the night, and uh, yeah. it was just fun. I don't know if they'll do it again for obvious reasons, but uh, I think that it was a fun broadcast. No, it's a good idea. I like I like it when when any broadcast you know can branch out and try something different. I think a run TMC broadcast is just a genius idea. Um, cause like fans love that stuff, you know? And, but I will say that, uh, if the NBA's players only broadcast is, is an indicator of like what it's probably going to look like, and it's probably not going to go that great. Cause I, I like TMC because I have an affinity to them. Uh, but like the NBA TV one, the players only broadcast, it's like, yeesh, yeah, I know this is brutal. But I did love Mully's voice just being like, all right, hey, there's uh, Tom Tolbert with Jody Poole. Hey! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when he was reading the sponsors, that was like the highlight. He was so good. Come see Carrie Underwood. That chick can sing, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Making it sound like Frank Sinatra. <laughs> Something along those lines, yeah. <laughs> um, Real quick before we get to some football here, finally. Uh, where do you come down on this ladder situation with Giannis and Montrez Harold. Did you see this yesterday or, or so, Friday night? I, I didn't watch the video. What happened? So Giannis had a rough game with uh, some free throws and um, the Sixers ended up winning. And after the game, Giannis is playing in Philadelphia. I don't know what the protocol is or the time frame you need to get back on the bus and leave. But Giannis wanted to spend some time, spend some time putting up some free throws after the game. And it's not his home court. Um, people have to do things after the game for maintenance and the hoops and whatnot. And then Montres Harrell took the ball away from Giannis. He said, you guys lost. Go home. This isn't your court. Get out of here. And Giannis then proceeded to find another basketball and started putting up free throws. But then... Maintenance guys, the crew had to adjust the hoops. So they get a ladder and put it in front of the hoop that he was going after. And Giannis goes up to the guy and says, I'm trying to get some work in. He's like, we got to do some work, man. And Giannis pushes the ladder away. And the guy's like, no, 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 no. The ladder needs to be here. I don't know what to tell you. And then Giannis pushes it so much that the ladder falls to the ground. 
And now everyone's like, oh, my God, Giannis hates ladders. But also, he, I don't know, and I, you know, want to talk to, you know, obviously I work with a former NBA player. I would love to know what is the protocol after a basketball game. If it is not your home court, if you are the away player, do you have the right to then to say, like, I'm going to stay here and get some work in when it's not your court? At the same time, if you're Mike Bud, uh, Budholzer, are you like, hey, Giannis, get on the bus. We need to get out of here. I don't have an opinion on it. I just want to know what is the right opinion, to be honest. I don't know what's the right opinion. To be honest, uh, I don't know ah, what the... I don't know, to be honest. Get on, honest with Giannis. Yeah. Honestly? Honestly? Um, do I have a problem with it? Antetokoup, no. But All right, enough, Steven. Just answer the damn question. None of these damn puns. But do I care? Onto the coop, no. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Let's move <laughs> no, on then. It's just a random. Uh, it's just a random thing, man. Yeah, for sure. I don't. I don't really know. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, like that's just that's a non sequitur for me. But it's it's a very weird thing that we like to uh, like to put to the forefront of the media and the oh, news. Of course, yeah, and it's like knocked saw, over a ladder. I saw yesterday. Uh, I guess it was the 18th anniversary of the Malice at the Palace. And someone tweeted out, damn, if you think this video is intense, watch Giannis pushing over a ladder. Yeah. <laughs> just don't just don't be putting Christmas lights up, you know, in a time when Giannis does not want Christmas lights up. Like, could you imagine like doing it before Thanksgiving? No, not before Thanksgiving. And then he pushes the ladder over when you're trying to uh, put up Christmas lights. Yeah, I'm sure Giannis making, would do I'm that. I'm making a Christmas analogy, Derek. Very nice. Full All right, Stephen, we prolonged this long enough. Give me oh. your thoughts on the Raiders loss last week. Um, Is it the most embarrassing loss in Raiders history? I, I can't say I'm like too surprised because, well, here's the biggest thing. Like the Colts, if Jeff Saturday's your head coach, okay, fine. Like really what he's going to do, his primary job is going to be motivate the players and, um, just don't do anything stupid with the challenge flag or the timeout flag or the, uh, the, the, the challenge flag. Don't do anything. Don't be Nathaniel Hackett. Yes. And don't be stupid with timeouts. Like that's all you real. That was like the three main jobs. And one of those, like everyone was, we were saying all this stuff, you know, it's like Bill Cower calling out, uh, calling out the hiring yeah. of the Colts. Every, uh, Joe Thomas was another one. Um, and then Mag Dog Russo went on to call out those guys which was hilarious <laughs> i don't know if you heard any of his no. rant but he's like he's like did you have any did you have any prior experience to broadcasting you think that you could do this what you just hire bill cower did he did he cut his teeth in idaho calling minor league baseball you know what i mean like that kind of thing uh then if that becomes a thing about him right yes it, it became yeah, a thing about how you need experience in broadcasting it's great um Hold but on, that being- hold on. Can I can I shit on that real quick? Yeah. When you are a former player, you your experience is playing the game. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> that's the best part. Carry as in the words of Kendrick Perkins, carry the hell on. Yeah, that's the best part. But um, uh, what was I gonna say? So with that, with all that being said, with all the pr- issues with the coaching hire, like the players are we're gonna want to play for him. Like it's Jeff Saturday. It's a former Colt. I'm sure that he knows these guys. I'm sure he's met them. 
before this. I'm sure it's like it's not like Jeff Saturday just you've never like I guarantee you Jeff Saturday has been to a training camp where he's where he's met a few of the guys. Well, um, he's an advisor to the team, so he knows well, them. But at the same time, I it it's a mixed thing of you know yeah we know Jeff Saturday, but also like damn Jeff's gonna coach us. What about these guys that we were you know fighting with all season? Right, for sure. But I do think the players wanted to play for them, and I think you saw a difference with two teams in which the coach really motivates their players. That I don't is think the case. McDaniel, I don't think McDaniel's motivates these dudes on the Raiders at all. Like they just don't have any, they just don't have any fire, you know. And when Derek Carr goes to the podium afterwards, and we'll we'll get to that. I don't. We'll we'll we'll, we'll get to yeah, the cars. Speak it on now, man. Speak it on now. Well, I mean, like when he says something to the effect of, um. When he says something I to the effect sleep of, at night. yes, yes, like the amount that we put our bodies through just to just to wake up, you know, and all that sort of stuff. Like as he's given this passion speech, but then he also says like players need to buy in, yeah. and then McDaniel's saying, "Well, there's not really an issue with players buying in. Well, there's clearly something wrong there that the players aren't communicating with the coaches, yeah. um, because I I just I don't know, man. I just think that." That's what it showed. Um, you had a 30-year-old assistant calling plays who was hungry to do that, living out his first dream. And he's doing it against a Raiders defense, which is just totally lost right now and can't stop anything. So, Including yeah. a 40-yard oh. Matt, Matt Ryan run. You remember what we said last week, dude? The, Jonathan the, Taylor? The, we said last week the yep. Raiders are that team where if like a yep. star player is maybe slumping right now, that's where he's going to break out. And uh, yeah, Jonathan Taylor did just that. I was like, I was not surprised when he did that. Yeah, no. So man of the house, about it, man. It's just and you're and you're, and the offense can barely put up points. Um, you know, Is Jonathan Taylor without... in man of the house. Yes, Jonathan Taylor okay. Thomas. Yeah, that's the name of one of my fantasy teams, Jonathan Taylor. Uh-huh. Thomas. Um, uh, what? No, that's home improvement. Well, home improvement. You're mixing too. You're mixing too many different things, man. Just. Good at references. Anyway, you're mi- you're mixing Jonathan Taylor references. Like we'll do. I'll be home for Christmas later on. All right. Oh, um, great movie. Great movie. It's a, it's a terrible movie. I just love that Jonathan Taylor Thomas plays like a forty year old man. He's in he's he, he's in college. The way he speaks, he's like, hey, little. He's like talking to girls in like college. Be like, all right, I'll get you tickets to the Dave Matthews Band concert when I come back. All right, see. Well, I, I like how he uh, like. I realized how much of a jerk he is when I went oh, to college. Oh, he's a jerk in that movie. He's a jerk and in I, that movie. And I realized like, how critical it is or crucial it is for you to go home and see your family during the Christmas break. <laughs> you know, yeah. People can't wait for that. And he's like, nah. <laughs> nah, I'm yeah. good. I don't want to go home for Christmas. I'm all right. <laughs> like, it's, it's, just, it's just funny. But anyway, back to the Raiders and Colts thing. Like I was sitting afterwards and thinking, I was just like, man, I'm not shocked. Like, I'm not surprised. It's always the Raiders where this happens. Yeah. And now the Colts are going to suck from here on out. Like this, that's going to be their high point of the season. And now the Colts are going to suck. Like today, whenever we do our Windsor Wang segment, I'm not picking the Colts. They're going to lose today. If they even play today, do they have a bye week? They play. Okay. They play the Eagles. We'll get to ah, it. Yeah, and I'm, yeah. I'm in agreement with you, Steven. I think that last week was an anomaly because they're playing the Raiders and the Raiders have their own, like despite how dysfunctional the Colts are and Jim Irsay's crazy ass, which by the way, Jim Irsay, the Jim Irsay band coming to Bill Graham this <laughs> December. 
<laughs> Love to see it. Um, uh, yeah, I I brought this up with Alon. I think it's one of the most embarrassing losses in Raiders history. Um, I think that Josh McDaniels to lose to that team, especially a team that he declined to be the head coach of, I think that's got to eat at you. And if you're not pissed off about that, then you lack competitiveness. I know you're not going to show it to the media, but like that's got to be really embarrassing to turn that team down, have a new team, and then a guy with no coaching experience beat you. I commend Jeff Saturday for what he did, uh, but also I don't expect much from here on out. Um, Derek Carr crying. It was a little much, but I know he's gone through a lot with the organization, and it may just be that Derek is realizing that this could be the end. I know Dan Graziano had a report that uh, the Raiders could release him after this season. That's not really anything new. That's part of the contract. But also at the same time, wouldn't you rather trade Derek Carr and get some value on him? Well, I also got to say, like, like just focusing on the press conference and, you know, without even thinking about that stuff, because, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're probably going to end up doing that. Most likely not going to give him the option. I don't know what where they go from here with, with the quarterback. But, um, you know, what's fascinating, man. I've watched... I'm not going to say I've sat here and watched every single Derek Carr press conference, but there were a lot where he'd you'd speak to the media and like at first kind of nervous, just trying to say the right things. Mm -hmm. And then he got really good at being a quarterback at the podium and he happened to say all the right things. Oh man. Right. But no matter what went down, like no matter with the John Gruden stuff, with the Henry Rugg stuff, he kind of kept his cool there a little bit. Like, obviously, he was, you know, you're naturally going to be super emotional at the podium when something like that happens. Uh, but from 2014 all the way to now, like, if you go back and watch those Gruden and 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 Ruggs press conferences where Derek Carr had to speak afterwards, he he is, he's standing still at the podium, just answering questions. Sure, he's got tears, but... Watching that press conference last week, like, like I get a text from Spadoni, you know, Joe Spadoni. I get a text from him. He says, Carr's crying at the podium right now. So I immediately went to the Raiders Twitter because I know that they go, go live with the pressers. And then I went yeah. to watch it, and I'm watching it stunned. My jaw was dropped because in my head, I'm wa we're watching a man broken. Like, this man, his spirit, this incredibly high spirit that he has, a spirit that like a lot of people kind of call it corny a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, and it's, and, I mean, it even led to like a, like an article, you know, this, uh, this past year where Mike Sando basically like let defensive coordinators just call out the guys on offense. And one of them called like car, a little dorky, you know, like, but that spirit that he's shown at the podium gone, like the way that he was, the way that he was, you know, kind of looking Swing. like a, yeah, kind of look, you know, he what I don't know, maybe he was like uh maybe he was auditioning for the NFL on Fox pregame and postgame shows cuz all those guys do is sway back and forth whenever they're standing. They can't stand still. It's unbelievable. Just put them on sway in the morning. Seriously. Next time you watch it, it's just the it is sway in the morning, dude. They just go back and forth like this. They can't sit still, especially Tony Gonzalez. He does it great. Um but anyway, my original point though, like I've just never seen, I haven't seen him broken before and just watching a man break down in that way. Yeah. Just, Oh my gosh. I, I got a little emotional too watching that. Cause I'm like this guy granted, do I like what he's been doing? No. Do I think that he's 
earned himself another two years? No, but man, that guy has been so dedicated. It's just, and he's, and he's said all the right things and he's tried to, he's tried to be, you know, Mr. Team and all that, but like, man, it's just now it's kind of come crashing down and now he's just swaying back and forth. Just emotional. It's crazy, man. It was crazy. Because I think a little bit of, of him thinks that maybe this could be the end for me. And yeah. he, he, he knows how much he loves the Raiders. He is on record saying that I'd rather retire than go play for another team. We'll see if that's put at the test this offseason. I don't know if that needs to happen. They have much bigger issues in the quarterback position. Um, I don't know what Devontae Adams would think about moving on from Derek Carr. Obviously, they, they've not been on the same page at moments this season. But at the same time, Devontae Adams is having a good season, and he's tied with Travis Kelsey for the league lead in touchdown receptions. However, you know, maybe this is a sign that it's time to change things. Who knows? Um, I will say this. This is a thing that I mentioned on the podcast last time with Alon. Mm-hmm. This, you know, I, th- whatever about Derek Carr crying at the podium, I don't put a lot of, you know, stock into that just because I know Derek's very emotional. I'm not going to knock a man for crying. I am going to knock a man for lying, though. And uh, Mark Davis and Josh McDaniels, to an extent, pushing out this narrative that this year is a rebuild is absolute bullshit. Um, Josh McDaniels the next day saying, like, I know people want, you know, instant success. Well, yes, that is the expectation when you go from a 10 and 7 season, make the playoffs, fire the coach that took you to that playoff season, and upgrade with Josh McDaniels. And then you trade for Devontae Adams with a first and second round pick. That is upgrading. That is going to the next level. That is not a rebuild. So, for Mark Davis to say Rome wasn't built in a day, sorry, that is just ridiculous because th- <laughs> you're, you're, ma- you're making it seem like this is John Gruden 2.0 again and you're going to rebuild the whole team and, you know, oh, give him a chance. It's only been nine games. That's bullshit. That is absolute bullshit. Stop treating the fans like they're idiots. Yeah, uh, Rome, and I can tell you that it wasn't built in a day, but it also wasn't built with the strategy of, okay, let's get halfway there, and then let's just knock everything down again, and let's start from the bottom, because you know what, halfway, and it doesn't really seem like it's good enough as we're trying to build this. You know what, the Coliseum right now, you know what, halfway done, but it's not exactly getting the circumference that we want. It's a little too small. So you know what? Let's knock it down. We're halfway through, but let's knock it down and let's build it again. And let's just keep on doing that until we find the right way to build it. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. You give, you give a contract extension to your quarterback. You give one to your star defensive end. You give one to your tight end. You give one to a wide receiver. You trade for Adams. Like you said, Um, the only thing you haven't done really is pick up the option on Josh Jacobs, who you should eventually pay anyway, because that man is playing his heart out right now. And I hope he gets paid with some other team if the Raiders aren't willing to do that, because that man is playing for something and he's playing with the purpose. But like for Mark Davis to say that, dude, I just yeah, exactly. Why are you treating us like this? Like fans know that this is not you're not in a rebuilding stage when you trade for Adams. You're just not. No. That's the if you're if you're in a rebuilding stage, you're trading car. If you're in a rebuilding stage, you're trading away maybe Hunter Renfro. I don't know. You're trading Darren Waller to the Packers to get more picks. 
You know what but, I mean? Like that's but what you you're shouldn't, doing. You shouldn't do any of that stuff because I still no. believe that this team has enough talent on the offensive side of the ball. Do you need to rebuild the offensive line? Yes. Do you need to rebuild most of the defense? Yes. But you don't need to do a whole rebuild. This is ridiculous. <laughs> You're the first team to buy ever at the offseason if they're in a rebuild. Like, no no team ever buys anything in, in hopes to rebuild. Like, what are no, you dude. talking about? I said last podcast that if this is – like, if, if he's doing the Rome analogy, then this isn't Rome. Right now it's Pompeii with how mm. the shit's gone this season. So this whole idea – like, and also, the last time you did a rebuild, it sucked. You traded away Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper, and the only guy that really panned out was Josh Jacobs. Jonathan Abram, off the team. Cleveland Farrell, probably not going to resign with his team. He has as many sacks as Chandler Jones does right now. Damon Arnett. Yeah, cut. Henry, Henry Ruggs, that was a whole situation in its own, but he was cut. Alex Leatherwood, cut. It sucked. You don't need to do a rebuild. You just need a guy to inspire co- uh, coaching into the players. Yeah, and it's, I, I was kind of surprised the next day when Derek Carr and Devontae Adams said that they have a sigh of relief that they knowing that Josh McDaniels could be the head coach. But maybe that's actually for the best because they don't have to do this whole thing over again. But then again, you know, you think, is Derek going to even be there? I don't know. And then the whole Bill Plaschke report that the Raiders are cash poor. That's been a thing for a long time. They've always been financially not stable. And. You ask any organization, and they don't want to pay three head coaches from the past. You'd have to, you'd have to pay. They're still paying Jack Del Rio. You still have to pay. I'm assuming John Gruden, and you would have to pay Josh McDaniels on his deal. So that would. I understand that fans wanted to change this week. Maybe it should have been Patrick Graham. Who knows? But I also believe that firing Josh McDaniels doesn't solve anything at the moment right now. I don't think firing Patrick Graham does anything either. Like it's just okay. You fire defensive coordinator. What's next? I, I don't. I, I don't know. I'm. I think. I think they're not going to make that move till the end of the season. At least give Patrick Graham a second half just to prove that he can actually do something. I'm sure there's talks behind closed doors there. But yeah, man, it's just it's just terrible all all around. Um, there's nobody, nothing, nobody that inspires any confidence. Like Rock Yassin. I don't see where 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 he's any good. I was really excited for that pickup, and I thought he played. He was okay with the Colts. Like I thought it was a necessary. I thought it was like a necessary uh, necessary trade. But now, mm-hmm. especially with Chandler Jones, but now Yannick Ngakwe is on his way to yet another season where he has eight sacks. So um, you have that. Uh, everyone in the just everyone on the defense, man. There's nobody on the defense that does anything like except for Nate Hobbs, who's currently on injured reserve right now. You know, Trevon Merrig, I, I'm sorry. I still don't see where – I know it's his second year, but I don't see where the value is with him. I don't understand what he does well. Um, it's not like – I don't see him out there, like, making plays consistently. I don't know. Maybe he does other things in terms of coverages and all that. But, yeah, man, it's just just a total disappointment, a thorough disappointment. And it's – I'm honestly at the point, Derek, where it's like if McDaniels is going to be around for the next three or four years, well, it does not feel like – that this is going to be a team right now that can win in the next four years that are set up to win in the next three or four years. I know it's a lot to say, but like, man, they got to make some, they got to do, they got to make some great draft picks. Number one, yeah. if they even yeah. have any available, um, they got to make some great draft picks. They got to sign somebody in the off season. They need to offload Chandler Jones. I think he's on the back half of his career. I don't think he's going to do anything. Uh, going forward, I, I they got to make a lot of changes, man. And it's going to start with the offensive yeah. line first, in my opinion. It needs to start with the offensive line. 
and then you go to the defense because like, you got way too many issues to solve just everywhere. Yeah. Do you think, you know, this is something I talked with Alon last week was maybe they show you something at the end of the year. But then again, like, what does that matter at this point? They're two and seven. If we're judging on things from a year ago, then this team should have been better from a year ago. Just because you win a couple games down the stretch here doesn't mean that it's going to foreshadow what's going to happen next season. I I don't know what the future holds for the Raiders. All I know is I've seen a lot of Raider football in my day, and I've seen a lot of teams that had a lot of hype and promise, and this one probably takes the cake. So I'm going to say, I hope I'm not being hyperbolic here, but I think this is the most disappointing Raider team of all time, to be perfectly honest, with the hype around them, mm-hmm. with the expectations. I think this is utterly disappointing, and I'm even including you know, 2017 when they were coming off the two, you know, 2016 season with, you know, the playoff run Well, no playoff run. They lost the first round, but just the expectations from that. And then, you know, leaving for Vegas and out having that announcement in the off season and expecting them to be a really good playoff team. And they just shit the bed that season. Of course, you know, 2003 off the football, uh, the Super Bowl season, just a lot of disappointing seasons, but this one probably is the most like, you know, a season ago, they had so much bullshit with Henry Ruggs and Damon Arnett and John Gruden. And this season is worse. And I don't know how that's possible. Yeah. Yeah. It's just in, in like the patience thing with a head coach. Um, there are two that I want to point out here uh, where if you're a, you, if you're a good football team, one head coaching change might be the difference. And also a trade for a big receiver talking number one, the dolphins, and I'm talking yep. number two, um, number two, the Giants. Although the Giants didn't make like a trade for a big name receiver, the Giants just apparently had the P. I don't know what the Giants did to make their roster that much better, but Brian Dable's that good of a head coach, I guess. He just schemes it up, man. Yeah, they, yeah. They don't have like a, they don't have like abundance of talent on offense right now. No. Nah, so it's like if you're if if you're making a head coaching change, like you don't just wait a year. No, that head coach is meant to make an immediate difference along with their coordinators. But they don't like. I don't know what Mick Lombardi does. I'm pretty sure that's the name of the uh, uh, right. of the offensive coordinator, not the offensive coordinator, the assistant, whatever. Because McDaniel's is calling the plays. Patrick Grant, like all these hires, it's meant to make an immediate difference. They are supposed to start winning now. It's not, yeah, let's wait a year and see how they pan out. No, like this whole the way you set up Carr's contract, your trade for Devontae Adams, you built the team the way you did. It's meant to win now, and they are not doing that. It's so, it's so frustrating, man. Like the Mike McDaniel's thing. You know, this just aside. You know, I, I just want to get this take out there because I wanted to. I wanted to throw this at you. This has nothing to do with the Raiders. This is more just Mike McDaniel. Okay. Because I watched a little bit of the All Twenty Two the other night. I was uh, just going through the offense because NFL actually has it set up where you can go through each drive. And you can actually just click on the drive and then just watch that one instead of having to go through the entire game, which is great. But yep. um, I was watching all the offensive drives for the Dolphins and just the way that they are so meticulous with everything that they do. Like McDaniel is there. Everyone is so bought in on what his plan is and they trust him. And he's turned Tua Tonga Vialoa into a guy that looks like an MVP candidate right now. Like that's how good Tua looks. Not saying he's gonna be the MVP, but you could yeah. put him up there. That dude looks really good. Like the throws that he's making, it's unreal with the way that he's making it. I actually think because he's a left-handed thrower, I think that makes it look a little weirder. 
Like, have you seen it where it's rotated, where it makes him look like a right-hander, and you're like, damn, oh, yeah. some of these some of these throws that he's making with the right hand, it makes it looks a lot more impressive when it's right-handed as opposed to left-handed. Um, but like in the end, man, you're supposed to win now. And the way that the Dolphins do it, I wanted to, uh, yeah, I wanted to throw this out there. Like, if the 49ers would have won that Super Bowl in 2019, hell, mm-hmm. maybe would have won it again last year. Like, if they would have won two Super Bowls when Shanahan and McDaniel were the offensive play caller, this is a huge if because it obviously didn't happen. It's a massive hypothetical. But, like, man, if they would have won, I don't know. I mean, if they would have won in 2019, I don't know if Mike McDaniel still would have been there in 2021. But let's just play it as if he was. We'd be looking at those head coaches as if they're like Bill Parcells and Bill Belichick. <laughs> like, that's how we'd be looking at them, I think. Like, that's at least the start. Of Why not the same relationship, but yeah. Not the same relationship because they actually got along and all that. And, you know, the Shanahan hasn't tried to screw McDaniel out of a job. But, like, um, yeah, I'm just saying that we would have looked at them in this similar fashion in that, like, man, this head coach really does just create great coaches from offensive coordinators. Yeah. And just, like, you know, imagine those two together. I don't know. I just – I was thinking like to the great head coaching coordinator duos where both ended up being fantastic head coaches. And like, I think Shanahan and McDaniel would have been on the way to that sort of conversation if they would have won those two Super Bowls. It's possible, but I think Mike McDaniel still has a long way to go, but he's doing very well in one comparison, comparing one McDaniel to the other one is having instant success and the other one is not. And Watch Josh McDaniels take off the S off his last name. He's like, this is going to give me, this is going to give me uh this, this is going to make me call plays better. Yeah. Dude, the way that the way that the Dolphins use the fullback too, like I'm so glad Alec Ingold is there because McDaniel knows how to use a fullback. Clearly, McDaniel's is just using Jacob Jacob Johnson in a way that is not is not maximizing his potential. But like the way that uh, McDaniel uses Ingold, it's the exact same way that Shanahan uses Usechek. It's insane watching yeah. that offense. The similarities there, like the amount of times that you see. Uh, that you see Ingold lining up in the Y position when you see him lining up there and then you see him crossing the line of scrimmage with the outside zone run and you see him blocking on the strong side or whatever, blocking on the weak side, motioning to the strong side. Yeah, it's uh, it's just crazy the types of uh, similarities that you could see with the McDaniels offense and the uh, Shanahan offense. The McDaniel, excuse me. I think it's a huge move that they acquired Jeff Wilson Jr. because now they have a fantastic passing game. And now they're able to run between the tackles when they need to, if they, you know, have to go to a game in Buffalo or what yeah, have you. Huge, like, he had huge runs against Cleveland. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's our spiel about the Raiders. I really don't know what to look forward to the rest of the season with them. Um, too little, Sadness. too late. They're, they're, they're not eliminated from the playoffs, but it's, I mean, come on. At, at this point, it's a little too late. It's really tough on us Raider fans, huh, Derek? I said it last week, Stephen. Our last podcast, I should say. I just had so much hope. And uh, Alexander Scott put it best in a text to me last weekend. He goes, damn, if you were still a diehard fan, how would, how would you have handled this loss? And I was like, I don't know. I probably would have broken shit. Like, I, I, I am not the same fan I used to be because I don't feel the same stress and anxiety and anger like I do before. But I'm disappointed. I really am because I know you want to see them win. It's weird for me, you know, I am not attached to them like I used to be because of the whole Vegas thing, but I still would love to see them have success. I still root for Derek Carr. I still, 
somewhere deep down inside me, I still bleed silver and black, but it's just not the same. And I just got tired of it. And Mark Davis is a joke to me. So I don't care. That's the sick part, man. That's the sick part is that even though you, there's plenty around who are like you, although I don't believe you, uh, there are plenty around like you. I still think you feel that anxiety. You just don't want to admit it. Uh, um, but there are plenty of fans. Do you like see me you tweeting who, every every play now? Like like back in the day, I was like, "Oh uh, God!" I yeah, that's true. Um, it's so, out of all the teams. Like I want to see England win the World Cup terribly, like so bad. I get very passionate when England's in the World Cup. Very passionate. It's life or death. As I don't know you if you should, saw. Sir. I don't know if you saw me in the studio the last time, but I was like, "Well, oh, I remember." Over, the show's over at 10. I'm not going to leave it for an 11 o'clock start. And it was England, Columbia. That was just, oh, but anyway, um, <laughs> I want to see them win a world cup more than any team. Like when Ernie asked earlier, like, is it USA England split Jersey? No, uh, you'll, you'll find a, you, you, you haven't seen me on air during a world cup time, Ernie, but uh, this is when Spadoni starts calling me Benedict Langford because I start rooting for England, a uh, hardcore over the USA for queen and country. For king and country now, uh, hardcore. Well, I'm diehard yes. England fan, right? But it's Wanna a nice dedication because she passed, Stephen. Good lord! <laughs> hey, they have to say "God save the king" now. They have to sing that. No, you don't. Yeah, they do. It they could do. be a nice tribute for the queen. No, nah, they sing. Well, you can't now because she's not around. So they they do it for the king because the king's the king on can the save throne. himself anyway. I mean, yeah. All right. Uh, anyway. <laughs> I want to see it's them okay, win. It's okay in the queen. <laughs> but, but I want to see number two is the Raiders. My favorite teams have all won. Warriors, Giants. Hell, I'd like to see the A's win. There's a there's a part of my heart that's, you know, that loves the A's because of my mom and dad and them, you know, kind of raising me to try to be an A's fan. Then Barry Bonds took over when I was a kid. I don't have that hatred in my heart to the A's. Yeah, I, they I, failed. Them, I would have liked them to see them World World Series in England in Oakland too. But yeah, this Raider team, I decided, you know what? I took a year off and I said, you know what? I can't like this is I can't not watch this team. I I, I love them too much. Um, and uh, I want to see them win a Super Bowl more than anything. And it's just when you're on when you feel like you're on the track in the offseason, when you're on the right track and then it's just you're off the track now. It turns into cool runnings with the Jamaican team where Junior Bevel trips and falls over and then he knocks everyone else over. That's what it's like. McDaniels is the Junior Bevel right now. He trips and fell on the right track and he's knocked down Devontae, uh, Carr, uh, uh, Crosby, and Waller who are all running alongside him. It's <laughs> a great analogy. Yeah. And then like, you know, uh, and you got me, I'm Senka Coffee over here. Like, kiss the egg for good luck. You know, that's how I think we'll remember this season. The Raiders were so disappointing. It was like cool runnings. Not the movie yeah. itself, but just when they, they fell. Just the beginning. Just when they tripped over and everyone thought every you know their lives were over because all they wanted to do was run in track and field. But then John Candy came around and said, hey, Jamaica, that's what we have a bobsled team. That's, that, that's what the Raiders need is a nice John Candy to get this ragtag team of Jamaicans in the right spot. <laughs> you want to kiss my egg? I'm not kissing no egg. <laughs> All right, Steven. Should we pick some games? Oh, oh man. By the way, so I I uh I did the six swing uh thing last weekend with the atomic wings. Um because I owed you and Alon 
some payback for uh, my losses in the pick'em. And um, I'm going to say that uh, I usually can handle Atomic Wings, but uh, not anymore. So I, uh, I'm sad to say this. I officially retire from Wingstop Atomic Wings because I, I just can't, uh, I can't take that amount. So of, we're uh, we're no longer doing wins or wangs, right? No, I mean we still can, but uh, that will be one spice that's left off of my um, my palate from now on. <laughs> Jesus, I need a whole lot of Connell wipes. Anyway. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I saw you in the uh, tickle my butthole fantasy football league. You got the you you were the short man this week with uh, the lowest amount of um. Yeah, that was my worst fantasy performance I've had all year. It's terrible. But I like what you did. You took a nice beer and you took a little uh, the last dab and put it in the beer and drank it. I like yeah. that. Um, and I don't have any hot sauce on me right now, Stephen. But uh, I like that oh. so much, and I think that's what we'll do going forward. Um. I like that move, and I don't have hot sauce on me today, so I did lose last week. So you, you, you beat me—you actually beat me by a lot. But next week, I will have a beer in my hand, and I will have some hot sauce, and I will uh, drink said beer. Okay, all right, sounds good, dude. The yeah, that that league is uh, whew. okay. Real quick, actually, I like I like Ernie's thing here. Let's let's make this before we pick our games. Let's pick the player who is destined to go off against the Raiders today. Who has been struggling so far this season? I mean, Russell Wilson's the key candidate. Russell Wilson might be the number one guy, but they already had a... Did they already have a matchup with against the Broncos? Yeah. 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 Russell Wilson didn't do too much. They got a couple of nice throws in that game. I can see uh, Cortland Sun having a good game today. Yeah, the Raiders won that game. Yeah. Um. Mm. Yeah, Cortland Sutton's kind of a kind of a so so who's who's gonna have their their Raider resurgence game today? Yeah, who's gonna be the one that on like, the opposition? Got Cortland Sutton's a great candidate. He's only had one touchdown on the season. That number's gonna be three by the end of this game. Possibly. Man, that's actually ooh, that's a or solid Melvin one. Gordon. <laughs> or Patrick Sertan gets a pick. Ooh, ooh, I like that. Got yeah, I don't yeah. I think Sutton's a Sutton's the best candidate there. This dude is put, poised. Put me for a down breakout. for a court. Yeah, put me down for a Cortland Sutton touchdown today. Six receptions on eleven targets for sixty-six yards last week. One reception on four targets for thirteen yards the the week prior. Three receptions on nine targets for twenty-three yards. Sounds yep, like a winning this, formula today. This dude is going to be having the most efficient game of his season. It's going down against the Raiders today. So Cortland Sutton, I guess we've come to a come to an agreement. Cortland Sutton. All right. So Ready ends our uh, so ends our our segment. Who's poised for a breakout game against the Raiders today? Now let's get started with wins or wangs. Who will come out on top and who will spend the next day on the pod? It's time for wins or wangs. <laughs> All right, Steven. Nothing you like beat me last week. Music. You beat me last week, and I need to catch up to you. So uh, let's see what I could do here today. We kick things off with Week 11 in Hotlanta with the Chicago Bears going to the Falcons. The Falcons are two-and-a-half-point favorites, and the over-under is at 48-and-a-half. Mm, you go pick. You, you pick first. All right. Um, 
I think the Chicago Bears are a fun team to watch, but I don't like their defense right now. And they give up a lot of points. Um, they gave, they pissed away that game last week against the uh, Detroit Lions. So while they score a lot of points, they also give up a lot of points. And I'm going to take the Atlanta Falcons to win today. They need to get off the schneid because they've had 10 days to prepare for this one because their last game was on Thursday night a week ago. So I'm taking the Atlanta Falcons to win. I'm going to lay the points, and I'm going to go over. You know what's interesting is the Bears' defense, though, is ranked in, like, the top five in, like, yards allowed and rushing yards allowed and receiving yards allowed. You know they're hovering around there? It's kind of crazy. Yeah, but what's their well, how many points have they given up? They're probably, like, on the lower end. Quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, looks like they're giving up 24.7 points per game, which is just below uh, the Falcons. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm going to go over in this one, and I just – the reason I asked you to go is because I wanted to check the injury report just in case there's anything uh, crazy going Fair on. Fair enough. Fair um, enough. No, I am going to uh, – yeah, I'm going to lay the points with the Falcons, and I'll take the over. All right. We're simpatico on that one. Then you got the Carolina Panthers going to the Baltimore Ravens, and the Ravens are a big, stinky 13-point favorite, and the over-under is 41-and-a-half. Steven? They're a, they're a stinky 13-point favorite? That's a lot of stinky points. That is a lot of stinky Yeah, I went back and forth on this one. Um, I don't know. I, I really don't know whether to take – because I'm going to take the Ravens to win, obviously. But the question is, are the Panthers going to cover? I'm going to say no. I'll say the Ravens just blow them out at home. And uh, you know what? Give me the uh, – yeah, give me the yeah, give me the over. Just give me the over. I'm going to go with that as well. So, so far, we're the same on everything. Then we got the Washington Commanders, or the Commies. They got a huge win in Philadelphia last week, upsetting the undefeated Eagles. And uh, Taylor Heineke's still going to be quarterback. I think Carson Wentz is healthy, but I'm not entirely sure about that one. Regardless, I know who's not healthy. Chase Young, he uh, has been activated, but he will not play today against the Texans. The Commies are three-point favorites, and the over-under is at 41-and-a-half. Uh, I am going to take the under in this one, and okay. I am going to... Uh, and, and you know what? I'm actually, I think this could be a close game. I think the Texans can make this a close game, but give me the com- commanders to... Uh, Give me the Commanders to win, but I'll take the Texans to cover. I am going to straight up pick the Texans. There's always a chance that a team that has a huge win on a Monday Night Football game and then having to go on the road again has a big downfall. So I'm going to take the Texans to get their second win of the season, and I'm taking that under. Okay. All right. And then we got the Jeff Saturday sequel this week going up against the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles are six-and-a-half-point favorites, and they just added Linville Joseph and Adamican Sue to put in the middle of their beefy, already beefy defensive line to stop the run. So while Jonathan Taylor went off last week against the Raiders, probably chances are he's not going to rush for a lot of yards today. Or maybe mm-hmm. he will. Who knows? That's the beauty of football. So the Eagles are six-and-a-half-point favorites, and the over-under is at 45-and-a-half. Yeah, I'll... Uh... I'll take the Eagles, lay the points with the Eagles as well. Um, I would even say that when it was originally seven and a half in which it opened, so clearly money was going in on the Colts there. Uh, and uh, the over-under is tricky with this one, but uh, I'll just go under just because I don't know Damn. if it's going to be a high-scoring game. Yeah, I'm going under as well. All right, then we got the – but I'm taking the same thing as you, Philadelphia Eagles and the points. Uh, Rams going to New Orleans. 
you would have told me about this game before the season started, I said this probably is a fancy, nice game, but um, fancy, nice game. But <laughs> it is not. It is a uh, stinky game um, with the disappointing Rams, the disappointing Saints. And Annie Dalton still to get the start for the Saints, even though Jameis Winston losing the job is hurting his soul, as he put it. And Matthew Stafford is coming back. He cleared concussion protocol, but we will not see Cooper Cup for the foreseeable future. So it's going to be a Van Jefferson, Allen Robinson type of game. And the Saints are two and a half point favorites, and the over under is at thirty nine. I think that I think that number is super low. I'm going to go over just because I think these two teams can score thirty nine points, and I'm going to lay the points though with the Saints. I think the Saints are going to crush them. Wow, I am going the other way. The Rams need a win. Big time. Big time. So I'm going to take the Rams to win, and I'm also going to go over. I think I actually think it's going to be a high-scoring game. That's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a risky move taking the Rams right there. It's risky, and I know Cooper Cup is not playing, but um, I, I don't know. Weird things I mean, happen in the NFL? Weird things happen in the NFL, and you got to believe that, I don't know. I mean, Sean McVay has got to scheme it up a little bit to find a way to score points without Cooper Cup. Yeah, it's risky. I know. Um, this game could go either way. Honestly. What is it? The Ewing theory? You're thinking like where it's like if if Cooper Cup's not on the team, well, you know what? He might have to draw up plays without having to focus on Cooper Cup. Maybe we're exactly. going to get these guys open. Maybe that's, this is the first. That's time the that Ewing. That's the Ewing's philosophy. No, not really. I forgot what it was that Bill Simmons wrote, but essentially it was that the Knicks were better without Ewing on the team. Oh, I see what you're saying. So In it's not going to be. It's not going to be the Ewing theory exactly with, no. uh, with Cooper Cup, but we've seen it time and time again where it's like, you know, a main, the main focal point of the offense is gone from the team. You wonder what they're going to do, but then like the head coach, like you said, schemes up things in a way that, uh, that maybe, you know, benefits other players. Yeah, maybe. We'll see what happens. That's why I picked them. Lions at the Giants. Mm-hmm. The Giants are three-point favorites, and the over-under is at 44 and a half. Mm, yeah, this is a this is a good one. I'm going to. Uh, is it a good one? Yeah, this is uh, no, not really. Um, I'll lay the points with the Giants. I think they're going to win and win convincingly. But I'm going to take the under. All right, I'm going to go over on this one. I think the Lions can put some points up. And while the Giants don't have an amazing offense, I think they could score on this Lions defense today on the road. Then you got the, what should have been a snow game, but it goes to Detroit, and the Browns are playing Buffalo, and the Bills are eight-point favorites. The over-under is at 50. I think the Bills are win. I think the Browns are going to cover, and I'm going to take Mm. the under. I'm going to take the Bills to win, but I'm going to lay the points. I think that in the Dome, the Bills should put some points up with that offense, and I'm going to go over. Because uh, because this game is in a dome now, I think the team both teams are going to score a lot of points. Oh, that's right, it's in the dome. Oh well, in, I didn't take that in into dome. account. That's it's my fault. Dome. You want to change your pick then? Uh, yeah, give me the over. All right then. I'll keep the I'll keep the I'll keep the Browns covering and the okay. Bills winning, but just give me that's the over. Fair. Yeah. Then you got uh, the Jets at the New England Patriots. Uh, Jets beat or the Patriots beat the Jets earlier this season. The Patriots are three and a half point favorites, and the over under is at thirty eight. Oh God, you got to! I'm going with the Patriots again. I, I'm going with the Patriots again, keeping it with the Patriots, um, and I'm going to lay the points with them as well. 
And I think the over is going to hit. Screw it. All right. I think the over hits, but uh, I think the Jets are going to finally beat the Patriots. Both teams coming off a bye, but I don't know. I may be crazy. But damn it, I'm going to take those Jets today. It's a big so, yeah. game for the Pats, though, man. Big game. I know. They win this I game. They. I know. I know. But God, the Jets. I got to start the... buying into the Jets. Dude, imagine if the Bills lose. If the Bills lose, they go six and four. Then if the Jets lose, they go six and four. And then the Pats would be six and four. That's crazy. Craziness in the AFC East. I think the Bills have to win today. They Stay. absolutely do. Yeah. So, um, but I, I, I guess I'll give him credit to the Jets, too. They beat the Bills and um, they beat the Dolphins. Um, of course, that was with Skyler Thompson, a quarterback. But I guess start giving some credit. And I think eventually the Jets got to beat the Patriots. So I think today will be that day. All right. Then we got the Vegas Raiders going to the Denver Broncos. Raiders have usually been favorites in most of their games this season, but not today. The Broncos are three-point favorites, and the over-under is at 41 and a half. Uh, lay the points with the Broncos. Broncos are going to win and uh, take the over because it's going to be a shootout. But uh, Russell Wilson, Cortland Sutton going to cook them. So lay the points with the Broncos. <sighs> Just when you think this team is at its lowest low, somehow they'll bring you back in. And I'm a sucker every week. I'm taking the Raiders to win, Yeah, but I'm going to go under. I think this will be a very low-scoring game. This could be like 16-13. It's a terrible pick by you. We'll see. I could be right. Yep. Then you got the Cincinnati Bengals going to the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Bengals are three-and-a-half-point favorites, and the over-under is at 40. Ooh. Um, God, that number's at three-and-a-half now, huh? Oof. Yep. God, originally it was at four-and-a-half. Uh, uh, you know what? I'll take the... I'll take the over there, and I'll lay the points with the Bengals. I think the Bengals take care of them, handle them at home. I'm going to do the same. And then we got a surprising one. Cowboys at the Vikings. It's surprising because the Vikings are, what are they? What are they, 8-1 this season? Yep. And they're home underdogs to the Cowboys for whatever reason. They The Cowboys are one-and-a-half point favorites, and the over-under is at 48-and-a-half. But I, I question what Vegas sees and why the Cowboys are favorites today. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I don't really see either. I don't really get it. it doesn't have to do with an injury or whatever. Um, no. But uh, no, I'm gonna. I mean, I'm gonna take the Vikings to win. Uh, both teams just went through a really uh, tough over, uh, not yeah, tough overtime matchup. And I mean, so it's not like there's any advantage there. It's not like you know. Oh, the Vikings had an easy game against the Bills. It's like, oh, yeah, all right. But uh, yeah. no, I'll, I'll lay the point, or I'll take the Vikings to win, and I'll take the over. I'm going to do the same, and I wonder – I'm sure that, that's probably going to change before kickoff. Like, I'm just not enough people betting the Vikings? That's that's crazy to me. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Anyway, Sunday night game, Kansas City Chiefs at the Los Angeles Chargers. Second week in a row, the Chargers are on Sunday night football, and their favorite – or the – Chiefs are five and a half point favorites, and the over/under is at fifty-two and a half. Uh, I'm going to take the Chargers to cover. I think the Chiefs are going to win, but if they get Keenan Allen or Mike Williams back, I think it makes a world of difference. Um, you know, they probably last will. week, last week in the first half, Justin Herbert looked to being like Justin Herbert again, and then in the second half, was just completely shut down because the 49ers defense got after him. But uh, yeah, I'm going to take the uh, I'm going to take Herbert to cover. 
Over? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, just give me the over in this game. Yeah, of course. I'm going to take the Chargers to flat-out win. Uh, the Chiefs are without today. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster still recovering from the concussion, and they'll be without McCole Hardman. So I think that that benefits the Chargers, and I think the Chargers are getting their weapons back, and Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. So and Chargers always play the Chiefs hard. They lost to them earlier this season, but they're capable of beating them. They had a fantastic overtime game a year ago against them in L.A., so I'm going to take the Chargers to win, and uh, I'm going to go over on that one. Are the Chiefs undefeated in the division right now? I think they are. Yes, they have yet to lose a game in that division. Boy. And then the Monday night game in Mexico City. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers play the Arizona Cardinals. Second time these two teams have played in Mexico City. They played 13 years ago. Uh, first international game in the NFL back then. And... Um, Nothing really new with both teams, except for the fact that we don't know if Kyler Murray's going to play in this game. He's still got that hamstring injury. Could be Colt McCoy, and honestly, I think the team kind of plays a little better with Colt McCoy currently. Not saying that Colt McCoy's a better quarterback, but I just think that he leads them better. That's all i got to say about that. Hmm. And, but I don't think it matters. I think in the end, the Niners are going to win this game, so I'm going to take the Niners to win. I'm a late... Oh, sorry. The Niners are eight-point favorites, and the over-under is at 43-and-a-half. I'm going to take the Niners. I'm going to lay those points, and I'm going to take the over. Yeah, I'm going to do the uh, I'm going to do the same thing. Um, I just I, – I don't really see – like, this game could be close, but I see it also being a very high-scoring one, but I think the Niners are going to crush them. I think the Niners are on their way, too. I think they're finally realizing, like, okay, like, we don't care about that first half of the season. Now this second half of the season, this is where – we just get in like to the playoffs. This is our time. And, you know, with the Seahawks on a bye week, this is a perfect opportunity to take a, to take over. So I will say this. Niner fans, if you're expecting this team to score 30 points every week, you're going to be sadly disappointed. It's still not going to be a high-flying offense, in my opinion. Just because, you, just because you get Christian McCaffrey doesn't mean that they're going to start throwing the ball up and down the field. They're just going to run the ball more efficiently. And that could lead to more points. That could lead to less points. I just think it's going to lead to more time of possession. But you are still got Jimmy Garoppolo, a quarterback. It's not like things are going to change overnight where they're going to start beating teams 41 to 10. I don't think that's going to happen. That's just my opinion. No, I don't I don't think so either. But um, you saw know, a it, lot it, of disappointing uh, Niner fans after that win over the Chargers. I'm like, well, they won the game. What did you expect? But I want to see, uh, you know, what I want to see, though, is – the next step, like we know Shanahan can, you know, scheme up plays to where they're taking up time of possession and then they, you know, take a 11 minute drive that goes 75 yards and sometimes ends in a touchdown, sometimes ends in a field goal. But um, I also want to see, though, like what this offense looks like, how Kyle Shanahan draws things up when they're down by multiple scores. Yeah, true. And, you know, how they respond there. Because we haven't, obviously, we haven't seen that yet. Although the, the Chargers game was kind of an indicator, but the defense was just giving them so many op- opportunities. Like, I think they all kind of knew that we could keep on going with the same style that we go, we're going with here. But if the defense is having an off night, like, that's what I want to see is what this offense looks like. Probably not going to happen on Monday night, but, you know, not a high chance of it actually happening through the season. They got a pretty easy back after the schedule here. Uh, but I want to see what it looks like if they are down two scores and the defense just doesn't look like it could get the stops that it normally can in the second half. And there you have it. Those are our picks for week 11. Um, and yeah, great show as always, Stephen. 
Uh, I uh, am going to run to the old uh, Oakland Athletic Club. Uh, you have a good day, sir, whatever you're doing while you watch the games. We will not be doing a show next week, Thanksgiving. Let's all just chill and have a good time. Steve and I will be back next Sunday. That good with you? Yeah, of course. All right, then. All right, then. Uh, everybody have a good holiday uh, with uh, your family and everything. And um, enjoy the World Cup. Uh, I think uh, Ecuador is up to nothing right now. So you'll have a whole full slate of soccer during the week. And then you got football. And then you got college football and uh, some basketball. We'll be a good, uh, good Thanksgiving for everybody. So, oh, Stephen, happy nice, Thanksgiving to you. Nice little weekend. Happy Thanksgiving, yeah. man. All right, man. And uh, say what you always say, my friend. Oh, it's uh, it's uh, no, it's just our video. <laughs>